Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Matthew 5, 17 through 48. Well, I distinctly remember sitting on a wall just outside the Church of the Beatitudes, um, there on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee on an early October evening with my wife. And we sat there and we read uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We read Matthew 5 through 7 very key passage that we're going through in the New Testament right now. And one verse, as we read through the whole thing, really stood out to me that time. And it was Matthew 5, verse 20, where Jesus says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean when Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of uh, the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, what I had been taught or heard, or I guess just thought myself most of my life, well, it was something like this. This is a quote that kind of sums that up. It says, the implied truth of Matthew 5.20 is this. The purpose of God's law was to show that to please God and to be worthy of citizenship in his kingdom, more righteousness is required than anyone can possibly have or accomplish in himself. Now, this understanding is not entirely incorrect because uh, to be worthy of citizenship in the kingdom of heaven, in Christ's kingdom, more righteousness is required than anyone can possibly have accomplish, can have or accomplish in himself. Uh, I think the Sermon on the Mount begins by saying that in a very powerful way. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know I don't have the righteousness uh, required. I need a savior. But I don't think that's the point of Matthew 5.20. Do you know what I think the point of Matthew 5.20 is? Jesus is saying that to enter the kingdom of heaven, your righteousness needs to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. Now, what does he, how can we elaborate on that? The key is this, were the scribes and Pharisees righteous guys? No, they were not. So I don't think the point Jesus is making is, hey, you've got to be more righteous than these guys and nobody's more righteous than these guys. So you need a savior. He's saying these guys aren't righteous. The examples in your society of what righteousness looks like, that's not real righteousness. I'm going to show you what real righteousness looks like. And that's what's going to lead then right into, you have heard it said, but I say to you, a whole series of uh, those statements throughout the rest of chapter 5. So here, I firmly believe Jesus is saying, no, if you are a part of my kingdom, you are going to have a different righteousness, a better righteousness than that of the scribes and Pharisees, because their righteousness is external. It's a facade. If you're one of my people, you are going to have a righteousness that flows from the inside 
out. And again, that's really, I think that sums up a lot of where then the passage goes to in the rest of the chapter. And that kind of sums up the, what was Jesus saying then? And what are the always principles? And really it's showing us in extension to what we saw in our last reading, that we're going to have these countercultural values in a different perspective. We're also going to have a righteousness that's more than skin deep, that flows from the inside out. And that, I think, is the point of what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5, 20. Now, to be clear, this is not saying that this righteousness is something that comes from ourselves or something that we can muster up. No, and that's where even several things in this sermon and the rest of the New Testament make it clear we need a righteousness that comes from Christ. But when we have been born again, when we have been rescued from uh, the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of Christ, and we have a new heart and a new spirit, there is going to be a righteousness in our life that is greater than the scribes and Pharisees. And you see that now in what Jesus gets into. He starts with anger, but there's a pattern throughout the rest of the chapter. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And so there, I think you see an explanation, an example really of what Jesus meant by your righteousness needs to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees because their righteousness is don't actually kill anybody in anger and in murder. Uh, Jesus's righteousness of his people is don't even get angry at people. Uh, And that's what we see there with anger. And that is an important thing we need to wrestle with. We need to see anger and really hatred towards anyone else. Even it mentions calling them a fool. That is unacceptable. Uh, Jesus is making clear that is not how the people in his kingdom are supposed to live. And then the next section we get to is lust. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So there we see it's not just about uh, the, the physical outcomes. It's about what's going on in your mind. It's about what's going on in your heart. And that's where it's very interesting that that flows right into this next section. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that will your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Uh, It's interesting that that comes in a section on lust and sexual sin. And I think we see Jesus here saying, hey, uh, uprooting lust and sexual immorality in your life is worth whatever the cost. Again, I don't think he's literally saying uh, cut off your hand or gouge out your eye because guess what? You could still lust in your heart with no eye and no hand. But drastic action to uproot this sin. Jesus is saying, you need to do that because sexual sin and enslavement to that is going to lead many people to hell. 
And so I even just want to encourage you today, if you know that there is any element of secret or unrepentant or ongoing sexual sin in your life, I really want to encourage you uh, to take drastic action. And even for the first step of that drastic action to be confess it to somebody else, confess it to a trusted brother or sister in Christ and watch God work as he works his righteousness in you. We also see Jesus talk about divorce, and we should be reminded that all this conversation about marriage in our society, and even we see same-sex marriage, and we talk about a war on marriage, a lot of that began before it came to the issue of same-sex marriage, which obviously is a great perversion of what God has taught about marriage. We see even divorce itself is straying from how God designed marriage to be. He then speaks of oaths and that we, sh- we don't need to swear by all of these other things. We need to let our yes be yes and our no be no. And then the last two sections are, again, very radical, uh, that we are not supposed to retaliate, but we are, as it says, to turn the other cheek, or then we are to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. And again, that's just like the peacemakers from earlier in this chapter, so that you may be an apple that didn't fall far from the tree, that you, if you love your enemies, you're acting just like your heavenly father. And let me tell you, I really want you to think about this passage because I've had several meetings in my life as a pastor where where somebody or a couple of people come into my office and basically it goes like this. Well, hey, here's this hard situation in my life and here's what this other person has done to me. I don't have to love them or forgive them, do I? And that's where I have to open up my Bible to passages like this one or to uh, Ephesians or Colossians where it calls us to forgive as Christ has forgiven. Say, you know what? Um, Actually, the Bible teaches a radical element of forgiveness. And of course, without the other person cooperating or repenting, there can't always be that reconciliation and restoration in the relationship, but there should be a radical willingness to forgive. And even in strained relationships, there should be a love and a prayer, a consistent prayer for those that you don't get along with, or even those that would be your enemies or those that persecute you. So I hope the rest of this chapter, whether it's talking about lust or whether it's talking about loving your enemies, helps you even understand what Jesus means by uh, your righteousness needs to be greater than the scribes of Pharisee and Pharisees. Because when he goes, you know, hey, you have heard it said, he's about to say, well, here's the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. But I say to you, here's something deeper. And that is something that as people of Christ, we should aspire to. And so again, we we should examine ourselves in light of these things and ask God, hey, God, search my heart. If, If God wants a righteousness that starts in our heart and flows outward, we should pray in response to this, like Psalm 139, where the psalmist says, search me, O God, see if there's any wicked way in me. But we should pray that in response to this. And again, to be clear, this is not teaching in any way a self-righteousness. It is not teaching that, you know, we can somehow muster up enough righteousness to earn a spot in God's kingdom. No, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But those that God has saved, those that God has caused to be born again, they're going to have a different heart. They're going to have a different life. And this is a little bit of what it's going to look like. And Jesus is saying, let me tell you, it's going to look better than the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. 
Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, go to RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.